Hello and uh, welcome to another episode of Andrew's Philosocast. I, I really hope you, uh, you've enjoyed the section on Plato. I really, really uh, hope you've enjoyed and listened to the, the last the last episode that we did with, with Mr. George Bull, uh, in which we did the evaluation section on Plato. I, uh, it was re- I'm really, really grateful for him, for him doing it. I think he speaks very, very well and often shows me up. Um, so we can't be having that. Uh, we're hopefully going to follow a similar format with that. So again, thank you, thank you so much for... Um, for listening so far, and I really hope you've enjoyed it, and I hope uh, the, the section we've done uh, on Plato has whetted your appetite for philosophy. Uh, today we're going to look at um, Plato's student. We're going to look at Aristotle, a name that we've mentioned um, in some of our last podcasts, but today we are going to look at Aristotle. I am going to lay my cards on the table, dear philosopher I don't like Aristotle. I don't like him. I don't like him. I think he's a hack. I think he's defined himself uh, through opposition from Plato, and I feel he stood on the shoulders of giants. But I suppose realistically, uh, all everything, all past this prologue to new prologue to new ideas. So maybe I should cut him a bit of slack. So Aristotle was around from 384 to 322 BC, uh, a st- and was a student of Plato when he attended Plato's academy in Athens. Um, he was um, from a richer background. Uh, than Plato, so maybe maybe this is a little bit of class jealousy coming in here. But he was uh, was recognised as as being as being Plato's academy's brightest student. However, what Aristotle has become famous for is is diametric opposition to Plato's philosophy. So with that, with 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 Plato defining himself through priori methodology and a rejection of empiricism, um, Aristotle is kind of the poster boy for posteriori methodology and a reliance upon empiricism. For Aristotle, knowledge does not belong in the world of the forms, and this world of forms is is not where truth lies. So for Aristotle, we get this idea that experience alone allows us to understand the world and have this term, true knowledge. And talk about this abstract world of concepts that is beyond space and time, that is beyond our senses, beyond our empirical means, is simply absurd. We, if we want to know about the world, we've got to study the world. If we want to know about horses, we study horses. If we want to know about uh, cars, we study cars. If we want to know about truth, we've got to study true things. If we're going to know about good things, good goodness, we've got to study good things. And this is in his book, Metaphysics. So, just to sort of uh, put this in a basic format, for, for Plato, reason, come, reason is true knowledge. For Aristotle, experience is true knowledge. So, in today's little episode, what I would like this to do is I would, I would like this to have a look uh, and I'll give you the basics of Aristotle's theory. Um, in our next episode, we'll see how, how that impacts philosophical thought. And again, in the third one, uh, we're going to have a little discussion about his ideas and maybe link this to an AQA question, which would be, um, I know, Aristotelian theories on the nature of reality are superior to Platonic ones, which is a, a nice evaluative question. And it's, it's pretty much, uh, it's a question that will be echoed with different names throughout all philosophy. So, we've got a little sort of uh, grounding in Aristotelian sort of logic and background there. So, let's have a look. Let's have a look uh, and get down and dig down into what Aristotle's theory on sort of the nature of reality is. So, for Aristotle, being a scientific thinker, often referred to indeed as the father of the scientific method, um, thrives on asking questions on, 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 on why. Uh, why do things exist in the world? Um, 
So if we're looking for, for the truth, for essence of things, we look at the substance. We look at the substance and we look at what something is made of to try and find out its essence. So for Aristotle, he defines this term a cause. Now, a quick one here, a quick caveat when we look at Aristotle at cause. When I, or you and I talk about cause, I would sort of say the thing that brings something about. I think in terms of our language, Wittgenstein would say that the, the currency of language is in, is in its usage. So for us today, when we use the word cause, we kind of think the thing that brings something about. For Aristotle, it was a little different. The cause is kind of the purpose of something, the purpose of something. So if I was to say, I mean, I'll talk about chairs here. Uh, if you and I were discussing chairs, and I would say the cause of a chair, we'd probably say the chair maker. For Aristotle, the, the cause of a chair is to be sat upon. So, what we get with this is we get the theory of the four causes. The theory of the four causes. Um, and when we look at the theory of the four causes, we can define these uh, in this way. So, I'm going to define these, these four causes in a way that I think um, will help you with essays, will help you with your understanding. So, I'm going to tell you what they are, but I'm going to give you a continuous example of these. I think... Students, I think the examiner likes this. I think it allows you to access both knowledge marks and evaluation marks. So, the four causes, according to Aristotle. The first cause is the material cause. The material cause. And the material cause is the thing of which an, um, the thing of which an object is created. The substance of a thing an object is created. So, if we are saying a house is our example, the bricks of a house would be the material cause, the substance of which it is made up. Uh, the efficient cause is the 